Welcome to Team Luke for Minds Podcast. On this show, our mission is to help families just like yours. We'll bring you inspiring stories from brain injury survivors, advice from health professionals, and much more to help make the recovery journey a little easier. If you or anyone you know has a, suffered from a brain injury, this show is for you. Hey everyone, welcome to the seventh episode of the Team Luke Hope for Minds podcast. I'm Jared Samuels. And I'm Austin Morgan. Today on the show we have Kyle Lindley. So welcome Kyle. Uh, it's good to be here. So I heard you had a uh, traumatic brain injury. What, what happened? So me and my friends, it was spring break 2016, sophomore in high school. And uh, we just got back from our trip, our mission trip down in Laredo. And we were turning left to go to Chick-fil-A. And this car was coming down. I was in the passenger seat, wasn't even driving. This car was coming down, and we're just we're in a small BMW, and they're in a big SUV. They come down, they T-bone us right on my side, and we spun twice, hit a pole right on my side again. And that car was going 70 miles an hour in a 55-mile-per-hour zone. Uh, so I had to be pulled from the car by the jaws of life. Uh, I was immediately sent to a six-week coma. I couldn't breathe on my own, got a tracheotomy. Couldn't eat food for a day, so I had my feeding tube scar on my stomach. And I injured about a third of my brain, like the frontal lobe, temporal lobe, uh, and parts of the brain stem. So six-week coma, I forgot how to read, write, walk, and talk for a while. And just did constant rehab to get back to where I am, lost about 70 pounds. And now I've gained all that back. And yeah. Do you remember like any part of the accident? I don't remember the actual accident, which I am thanking God for, because if I did, I would have probably severe, severe PTSD from that every time I get in the car. But I do remember when I first woke up from my coma, which was very odd. Which is how long? A six-week coma. Mm-hmm. I woke up on my parents' 25th anniversary just to get a little brownie points. So what, do you, want, do you want me to tell the story about when I woke up? Yeah, sure. All right, so when I woke up from my coma, I, um, I woke up April 27th, 2016, went in the coma March 18th, 2016. So at the time, I didn't, when I woke up, I did not remember uh, April because I was asleep for that, March February, January. So I thought it was just New Year's. So the nurses come in, or the therapists, they come in and they point an iPad at me. Because I thought, I woke up, I thought I was in my friend's house. I thought we went to a New Year's party. It was in my friend's house. Had the worst headache ever. And uh, I said, I'm just going to go along with what they're doing. These are probably friends' parents. I don't know where I am. So then they shove an iPad in front of me and they say, Kyle, answer these questions. Say, all right, whatever. I'll answer them. They go, you're all right. They go, Kyle, what uh, what day is it? I had no idea what day it was. So I just kind of guessed and apparently got it right. So that was good. And then they say, all right, Kyle, uh, they don't, do you know what time it is? I say, I kind of look at the iPad time, see it was 7.30 in the morning, go 7.30. I'm like, yeah, how do you know that? And then they, and then they, uh, they go, oh, because the iPad time. And then they look at one another and they go, oh, he's using context clues. Write that down. I go, what are they doing? Like, my friend's parents saying that? I was like, what? I didn't know they're nurses. But then uh, and they go, Kyle, do you know what month it is? I kind of look at them, just 
dumbfounded because I thought it's just New Year's. Like it's it's 2016. So I type in 2016. That's good, Kyle. That's good. So then they go, Kyle, what month did it? I look at them for a minute straight, just thinking it was just New Year's. What month do you think it is? So I type in January. And then they go, oh, no, Kyle. No, it's it's the end of April. It's almost May. And then they list off all my injuries. Tell me all the stuff I can't do. Tell me all this stuff. They say, oh, Kyle, you can't move the right side. I tried moving the right side. I couldn't do it. So, oh, Kyle, you lost 70 pounds. I look down. And my ribs are showing, my chest is in. I just looked sickly. I, it was awful. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk. They say, yeah, Kyle, you, you're not going to go to Westlake anymore in my high school. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to play any sports ever again. Um, they told me all the stuff I couldn't do. So, so what was your... Um thought process or your reaction to when they told you you couldn't do x y or z when they told me because they listed it all at once when they told me i couldn't i mean honestly i couldn't fathom all the information they were giving me at the time because how do you, how does one react to that i just too much take in the rest of that day i was just thoroughly depressed they said th- they said they didn't think i was going to remember the english language much because my speech therapies were them telling me all right, Kyle, make this shape with your mouth. This is an A. Make the letter A shape with your mouth. Are you ready? A. So my speech therapies were just making shapes with my mouth of letters. They'd point to a letter and have me make the shape of it. And they'd teach me little words. They'd teach me some words. And they, I. so I thought, you know, these medical professionals are telling me I have no hope, basically. So why should I try? So I wasn't going to be talking for a while. My vocals weren't going to be vibrating at all. Couldn't make a sound for a while. If I want to get my trach out. Got my trach out the day I woke up from my coma. So then the next day, the next morning, I'm talking again. It's very faint, but it's just enough hope. I said, you know what? It's going to be hard. It's going to be the hardest thing I've ever done. But it's not going to be impossible. I can probably do this, hopefully. I said, it can't get any worse from here. May as well try. So that's what my mindset was. So it was that step one, just trying to get to talking again and then move on from there? Step, yeah, step one, talking, walking, all that stuff. I actually took a, there's one girl that came and I took a walk in the, because I wasn't supposed to be walking in. I took a walk in the uh, healing garden with her. It was very unbalanced, but I was able to do it. And the nurses got all mad at that. They're, they're mad, but at the same time, they're happy and hopeful that I was able to walk with her. And I was just kind of like, y'all are kind of ruining my flirting with her. But at the same time, I was walking. I wasn't supposed to be doing that on my own for a while. It, it was, so I thought, you know, I'm making all these steps really fast. I might be able to do this. It's going to be hard, but I might be able to do this. I mean, it was mainly just me forcing myself to do things that the doctors said I couldn't do. I kind of just... Whatever the doctor said I couldn't do, I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to do it. Can't get any worse from here. What's the worst that could happen? I've already been through hell. What's the worst that could happen? So were you an athlete before the injury? I, Yes, I was. I lettered in four sports my sophomore year of high school. I was getting looked at for colleges from, by lacrosse. Football was on the rise. It was going to be like the next big thing. 
they had like great plans for me for football, but you know, of course, you know, couldn't play after that. Actually, I played lacrosse my senior year of high school again. I got cleared for that. Wasn't that great at it, but so playing was amazing, miraculous at best. So, do you think that competitive mindset of being an athlete sort of translated into the injury? The recovery? being an athlete definitely helped because my, I already had the like knowledge of no pain, no gain. So I would I did squats on a fractured hip, but I knew I said. I'm not gonna get better if I don't do this. Like, so I kept doing it. And the doctor said it's not gonna get worse if you work it out more. It's just go to it hurts. So I'd do squats, rack it, and I'll just sit down for about an hour because I couldn't move it. So I'd just do that stuff. I knew that I had to go through pain if I wanted to get better. So that was my whole mindset behind it. Also, sounds like you were going after the. Uh... You're continuing stri- continually striving to reach your next goal. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in sports. That's all. I, that's all I've known is just the goal, just to get better, to get better. Now I have an actual thing to get better at, and instead of just a skill to get better at. I have to get better at walking, to get better at talking, to pronunciate words better, which is, has not gone too well. <laughs> but I had to say that joke. Sorry, but. Uh, <laughs> Pronunciate words better to just do basic functions better. So in the ho- I got once I woke up, it took me a week to get out of the hospital. About I got out on May fifth, twenty sixteen, because I was just so driven. Just why shouldn't I try? It's why shouldn't I try? It can't get worse from here. And then honestly, I thought of my life like a movie. I said, how do I want my movie to end? Do I want it to be, oh, wow, this guy got, he was an athlete, got in this terrible accident, made a great recovery, lived, surprisingly, and then he didn't get better. Or do I want to be like, oh, he got in this accident, made a great recovery, is now striving, living his best life. So I want to make a good ending to my movie. How did your family handle the injury, especially the, Coma period. My family, I think, I think they went through a harder time than I did, honestly. Uh, just emotionally. So I was asleep. Doctor would tell them he may never wake up again. Uh, he may never do this again. He won't live. When he wakes up, he probably will be a vegetable. He, they already set up a home program for me called Marbridge. If y'all don't know, it's a program where I live somewhere else and have constant supervision over me. Like, people with brain injuries live there with con supervision all the time. So, basically, they're saying he's not going to mount to anything the rest of his life. So, they'd already set that up. So, my parents, they were just hoping I'd wake up, hoping for the best. And they had, and this part's the only part that really gets me about the whole thing. They had this, uh, when I went back and toured a year after, because I did a victory lap a year after, was they showed me this one bench, this one bench at the hospital. I said, oh, what's the significance of this? They said, we call this the weenie bench. I said, why? They go, oh, this is where we came out and we cried when the doctor told us you may never wake up again. The doctor told us you, you're not going to be, you're not going to amount to anything. Then when the doctors told us you basically aren't going to be a functioning member of society anymore. They said that we just came out here, we cried. And that's the one part that actually like, really 
makes me tear up about the whole thing. So I've gone over a lot of it, but that that's very touching to me. What about your friends, your other friends who are in the car with you? The friend in the car with me, the guy that was driving, uh, he felt awful. I heard he was not himself the entire time he was in the hospital. He came, he supported a ton, and he was great behind the whole thing. His parents were great, organized a lot of events. Um, my church actually organized a vigil a day after, during spring break too, about 250 to 300 people attended that just impromptu vigil and that and the whole community of Westlake was behind me with the doctors and nurses at both hospitals that I was in the ICU at Brackenridge which now got shut down turned to something else and Dell's Children's Rehab but um because I was 16 at the time but the doctors always were in awe of how many people were there constantly my friends were always there at least four or five of them in the room at all times. And it, the whole community is behind me. They, they made posters for me, hung them all around the restaurants, around the community. Always at least three or four people in my room when their visitors were allowed. It was just amazing. I, I could not, cannot thank them enough. I mean, that, that is half the reason I recovered as well as I did. My motivation and that I had people behind me supporting me the entire time. Thing, every time I'd do something, every time I'd work out of the gym, someone would always be there. I was kind of like a local celebrity. People would always be there like, oh, Kyle, you got to get bigger. I'm, ho- I'm really praying for you. I've been praying for you. I have people all over the world praying because everyone had connections. They all tell their parishes, their churches to pray. So I had people on almost every continent praying for me, just little local dioceses, local parishes, local churches, support groups, whatever, all sending me great positive messages. It was Amazing. Could not have, could not even imagine that many people would be praying for me. So I got too many prayers to answer not to recover that well. That's how you felt like you weren't alone in the journey. I was not alone at all. It was. It wasn't just my recovery. It was all of. It was all of my community's recovery. All of Wesley's recovery. You know, I felt like I. They did so much for me. For my family too. They treated us. They gave us all this, all these free meals. All, they always would buy me meals. They always, like, they gave my. They gave my little brother, because I was in the coma for his birthday, they gave my little brother a great birthday party, ran out a party bus for him. So uh, earlier you mentioned you took a victory lap. What, what did you do then, this victory lap? So my victory lap, like I said, everyone done everything for me. My victory lap was I went back to all the hospitals I was at, the ICU, and mainly just because people at the ICU, they don't, they don't ever see recovery stories. Because when they treat you and you get better, you're gone. They never see you again. So I said, all they see is just people just that don't get better. That's all they see. And that's a depressing job, I feel like. So I said, you know, I'm going to go back there, show them what they did, what their work shit, like what their work does. So I went back there, met all them, met all my nurses and doctors from back there, and just gave them cookies from Honey Ham because they loved with my, when my friends bought those. They absolutely loved the Honey Ham cookies. But... Brought those from Victory Lab to my rehab center, Dell's Children's. I went to a Victory Lab, my uh, went to a Victory Lab at Dell Children's Rehab Center. Met all my nurses there, and just showed them your work matters. You know, nurses are the most underappreciated people on this earth. 
honestly, we call them we call them angels because God God has angels all around, and God's angels are real, and they're in scrubs, the nurses' scrubs. What do you do now in terms of therapy? So I finished my physical therapy and speech occupational pretty soon after I got out. And then I started. I developed more into train for the game therapy, where I just would try to get more athletic because my goal was to play football and lacrosse again. Of course, you know, football, never going to happen with that type of brain injury. I actually did play lacrosse again my senior year and was athletics I was, but still pretty good, pretty decent player. Play a lot of games. The community absolutely loved that. I felt like that's how I repaid them. I showed them what all their support did. I showed them how they can how they can influence someone to recover that well. I was basically proof that all their prayers were answered. As far as like your everyday life now, what effects of the brain injury like do you still deal with? Um I honestly get when I get tired is when stuff just starts to get a little di- more difficult, you know. I can't really read that well and I'm tired, of course, you know, I'm about to fall asleep. But you know, that's really it. I think. But in terms of, so overall you seem like you're overall, I mean, I'm at the best universe in the world, Gigum, A and M. And I'm just living normal One of the best, not the best. The best in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping that in there. But, uh, and I just live a normal college life now. Except when I come back home, I try to help out kids. The one thing I wanted through all that was a role model. Because all these doctors telling me it's never going to happen. It's never happened before. No one has had that severe of a brain injury and recovered well at all. Set up the home program for me. So that one thing I wanted was a role model. And that's what I try to be to these kids. I try to go out and help them. Say, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. Because... I'm not that special. So. Why do you think A&M is better than UT? It's just science. <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, it's just been proven. You know, SEC. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can claim that, oh, Texas beat Georgia in the last game, but Georgia didn't show up and Texas lost to Maryland. Come on now. You, you, can't, you can't say they're better. And then what? Our engineers, third best in the nation. I think yeah yeah it is so um the last question i wanted to ask was you talked about mentor being a mentor um for any family or kid that's currently going through this what would be your piece of advice to them my one word of advice for everyone is it's a marathon not a race take it's going to be very small little improvements every day you know one day for me it was like a barely wiggle my fingers and that was a miracle, they said. Take every little step of recovery and just glorify it. It's going to take a while, but just take it day by day and appreciate how much better you got that day. Just keep on going like that, and eventually you'll get there, and you'll be potentially fully recovered, hopefully. If you keep working at it, yeah. Great. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you got anything else to say, or you good? I'm good. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Team Luke Over Minds podcast, and we'll catch you all next time. Thank you, and Gigum. Thank you for listening to Team Luke Hope for Minds podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website, teamlukehopeforminds.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. See you all next time.